Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. We begin a brand new message series today entitled The Walk. And uh, if you're brand new, uh, we're really excited that you're here today. Uh, maybe uh, throughout the course of your life, uh, you've met challenges, you've met difficulties. And uh, there's a guy by the name of James. And James was one of the original disciples. He was one, one of the ones who followed Jesus, saw Jesus, saw everything that Jesus spoke about, said about, and experienced it. And James writes a book entitled The Book of James, and where he talks practically on how we can navigate through different segments of this journey that we call life. And as we segue into this, I want to open up by uh, just sharing something that we did some research just uh, recently. And there's a movie that came out. uh, I'm not so sure it did very well in the movie theaters, but uh, the movie's name was called Emojis. And you might have seen it. It's still out there today. And uh, all around the world, there are individuals who will write text messages and they will use an emoji. And if um, you've been under a rock for the last 10 years, an emoji is a picture uh, that expresses a feeling or an emotion. So instead of someone writing uh, or texting a lot of letters, they just go ahead and they put some pictures uh, with a smiley face. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in Japan, it was developed by a gentleman. And the reason why he developed it uh, was because at that time that he developed it, data was really, really expensive. And so he wanted to convey an emotion, uh, but he didn't, didn't want to pay a lot of money for it. And so he created these pictures, these emojis. The first emoji was created and he went ahead and began to send it. And so now over the world, all around the world, people are infatuated with these emojis. So uh, as we open up, because I promise there's a point to this, um, if I were to ask you, what were the top three countries that utilize emojis? Would you know who they were? Think about it for just a second. Top three countries in the world that use the most emojis. They are number three, number three, the United States, number two, Russia, and the number one country that uses emojis, quite interesting, is the country of France. Now, that's interesting, but as we dig a little deeper into the research, it's very telling, and it connects to what we're going to talk about today. The researchers also found patterns in countries that utilize emojis. They actually looked and they wanted to see by country what were the top 10 emojis used by each country. And they found a pattern in highly individualized societies, which means in societies and in countries to where the family unit encompassed really just the immediate family. In other words, they were very closed off. A lot of other individuals, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, would not even know what's really going on because they're separated maybe by distance, maybe in different neighborhoods. In other words, we don't expect to have our grandmothers living with us. We don't expect to have all of the family units in the same neighborhood or the same city. In highly individualized societies, they found that in most of the country's top 10 emojis, 90% of them were positive emojis that they would send out. However, when they looked at family-oriented societies in countries in Latin America, South America, Central America, where family units are very, very important, where they're highly connective, where you see family units living together or living close to one another, they found that in the top 10 emojis for each of those countries, the majority of those countries' emojis were that of negative. Now, you might... Ask like me, I wonder why this is. And what the research says is this. 
that in individualized societies like the United States, like Myrtle Beach, we love to be able to portray that everything's okay. We love to be able to come into the church and when someone says, hey, how's everything going with your marriage? Great! Meanwhile, you just fought like cats and dogs in the car. We love to portray that we've got everything together. And so there's no coincidence that our emojis, when people say, how are you doing? Happy face, smiley face, great, awesome. Everything is awesome. Quoting a line from a movie from a little while ago. Think about that, you'll get that. But in Latin American countries, Central American countries, family-oriented societies where grandma lives with daughter and sees daughter's marriage, where moms are connected to sons and knows exactly what's going on in their lives, the majority of the emotions are very real and very transparent, and so the emojis are often negative. What does this tell us today? Two things that I thought of when, when I looked at that research. It's number one is this. Wouldn't it be great in this church today if we could all trust each other as brothers and sisters, for those that are Christ followers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we could trust each other enough that we all have each other's best interests at heart, that there's no judgment, that there's no condemnation, that there's no opinions about someone, but instead we really, really tried our best to really have hearts to say we want to encourage and support one another, that we could come into a place like this and that if someone said to us, hey, Terry, how's your marriage? We could be honest and say, you know what? It's okay right now. Pray for us. We're really, really struggling a little bit. We really, really need some advice. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If not in the church, where should it happen? Wouldn't it be great if a single adult came in and we say, hey, how are you doing today? And they looked and they said, you know, to be really honest, not good. I've been falling into temptation. I've been looking at things, consuming things, doing things that I know that are not good and I just don't know how to stop. Wouldn't it be great if we could be real enough in this society where we can be honest and open. And I think part of the reason why we're not is just because the truth is, is that number one, we want to portray that everything's okay. But number two, we really don't know what to do when things aren't. As a Christian, we don't know how to act when things behind the scenes are not going great. How should I communicate? How should I tell her? What should I do? Well, it leads us into the book of James because what we're going to jump into in the first chapter of James James is going to speak to us about how we handle difficult times and how you and I, as a believer in Christ, are to deal with them. And I love this in setting it up using emojis. If you're going through a very difficult time, if you've gotten a phone call from a doctor that you don't like the sound of, if you have family members that are going through a difficult time, if your marriage is struggling, if you're a single adult and you know you're not doing the right things, then if I were to ask you and you were to be honest with emojis, your emojis would look like this if we were just honest. And what James writes is, I promise you that if you feel this, that when you look at challenges and when you look at difficulties, that no longer will you look with these emotions, but instead you truly and honestly in heart will look with emotions like these. But the question for me is, how do we get from the ones before to these? James is going to answer that for us. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to James chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 2. You can follow along in your Bibles. You can follow on your iPads, your iPhones, the screen up here. If you have the Version Bible app, we encourage you to download that because you can even get all of the notes that are provided already for you. Here we go. James says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any time, any kind come your way, 
I want you to consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, there's two things that are pretty incredible about this passage. And for those of you that have been Christians for a long time, you remember this passage because you remember many who come up to you and say, count it all joy. That's what James says, count it all joy. What James is really saying is, yes, count it all joy. But I love before he gets there. And this is something that we bypass. Because if you're not a Christian, watch what James says. is all right, in your life, you're going to have trouble. He didn't say if trouble comes. He said when trouble comes. So if you're sitting there and you're going through, woe is me, if you're going through, you know what, it's not fair. Here's the thing as Christians you have to expect. You will have trouble. It will come your way. If you've not had much trouble, get ready. You will have trouble. It's going to come your way. And what James is trying to say is, when they do, I want you to look at it not as a negative. I want you to look at it as a great opportunity. Some of you are saying, an opportunity for what? An opportunity for misery? Are you kidding me? He's going to get to that in just a second. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down so we can come back to it a little later. Write this down. The greatest joys of life come after some of our most troublesome times. The greatest joys of life come after some of our most troublesome times. And I know for some of you in this room, you're thinking, Terry, that can't be true. But just hang with us as James begins to unpack how that can be. James 1 verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. He says, when you will have trouble, look at it as an opportunity. And when your faith is tested, in other words, when you're standing there and you're hit with this, you have an opportunity to grow. In fact, if you look at the original language of that, what it really means is this. He says, you will not only grow, but you'll be able to grow genuine faith. That's what that word means. Genuine faith, not faith that is shallow, but you want an opportunity to really, really grow in your faith in genuine faith. Then when troubles come, be tested and know exactly what to do. If you're sitting there, you're saying, all right, James, what do I do? Watch what he says. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In other words, what he says is in the morning, what we really should be praying if we have strong faith is, God, this morning, I want to become more like you. In order to become more like you, that means my faith needs to be tested. That means it will grow in endurance. And so God, send troubles my way because I want my faith to grow. Some of you are sitting there going, you want me to pray for trouble? I'm not saying that. But if you want to grow, when trouble comes, there should be something in your mind and in your heart that says, you know what? The truth of the matter is, in this moment, I have the opportunity to really accelerate and grow in my faith with Jesus Christ. I'll just say this. If you're sitting there and you're stagnant in the balcony watching online, or if you're here in the room and you say, Terry, you know, my faith is stagnant. I don't feel like I've grown. In fact, if I look five years ago, I've regressed. I've not grown in my faith. I've gone back in my faith. Then what I would tell you is this. What a great opportunity to say to God, God, I want my faith to be tested because I want to grow in my faith. That's a difficult prayer to make. But James says, if you want to grow, then when they come, you need to trust the Lord because you have the opportunity to grow. I want you to write this down. Troubles of life allow us to become more like Christ. 
troubles in life to help us to become more like Christ. I am an eternal optimist. The glass is always half full for me. So it's very, very interesting that God would place this on my heart. And in, in essence, he would say this, Terry, in other words, in life, when bad things happen, I don't want you to explain them away. I want you to embrace them. And I want you to look with eyes to say, God, how can I grow? Thank you for the opportunity to be able to grow. For some of you in this room, if you're like me, we don't like trouble. We want to get out of trouble as quick as possible. When I mean trouble, difficulties in life, we want, we want to run as far as we can from it. And what God is saying through James is this. When troubles come, don't be surprised. And when they come, say, God, what am I to learn through this experience? And James continues on and watch what he says. If you need wisdom, I love this, don't miss this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. This is why I love the Bible and this is why I believe everybody should read the Bible. Because in the Bible, there are some really amazing quotes. This is one of them. Because if you're a Christian, many times you read that and you just fly by. But I want you to really look at that. Because what James says is not you want to have wisdom. He says, if in the midst of trouble, you need wisdom, then go ahead and ask God and he won't rebuke you for it. And I sat there and I said, well, wait a second. What that means is when I face troubles, what James is really saying is, is that I shouldn't have to ask for wisdom because otherwise, why would he say that God won't rebuke you? In other words, Terry, if you really, really want to have strong faith that when you walk through it, don't ask for wisdom. You shouldn't need it. And it really got me pondering and saying, well, what do you mean, God? And I just want to illustrate this to you. And we're going to come back to the scripture in just a second. It's as if James says this, look, if you're really prepared, you know that trouble's coming. You know that there's going to be times in life that you're going to have to take your tool belt out. You're going to have to put your tool belt on and you're going to have to work really hard. This went really well. The last service I fumbled with this, trying to prove that I'm a manly man. It didn't work at all. But I just want you to know I put that on really quick. So anyway, you got your tool belt on. And James says, so you're ready. You've got tools. I always say this, that in life, when you come on Sunday mornings, when you're in Bible studies, when you're at a friend and you ask for advice, in life, everyone will present you with tools. They're going to give you wisdom. They're going to give you tools. The greatest place where we get the tools that we need to learn and use for our life is from the Bible. I think of a person that I know that is struggling right now with their health. And right off the bat, they're, they're struggling because they're worried. And when I think of worry, one of the greatest tools that was given to me a long time ago was from Matthew where it says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself for today has enough worry of its own. And that's a tool that I learned a long time ago. And so every time... Every time, that's that spot, that's where that goes. Every time I get into a situation where I truly begin to worry, I pull out that tool and I say, God, whoa, 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 I don't need to ask for wisdom right now in this moment. What I do need to do is I need to pull out my tool and I need to remember that in this moment I don't need to worry, that I can trust, that I can really, really trust you. So James says, put your tool belts on. If you need to ask for wisdom, go ahead and ask. But the truth is, if you're a follower in Jesus Christ, I want you to remember the tools that God has been giving you. And I just want you to use those tools. So he says, if you need wisdom, ask for it. God won't rebuke it. He continues on and says this. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty 
is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Let me explain this really quick for you. I know in my life, I can just speak for me. Boy, I'm really struggling with this tool belt. I know in my life, there are times in which I pull my tool belt on, and I'll say, all right, God, I, and I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, and I will walk head on to a challenge, and I will have peace of heart. But then there are times where I will not look with my eyes of truth. I'll look with my heart of emotion. And when all of a sudden I face face a difficulty with a heart of emotion, things like, God, it's not fair. Things like, why is it happening to me? Things like, why now? And in those moments, what we do is, is we look at God and instead of looking at the tools that God give us, we begin to start questioning God. We begin to start blaming God. We begin to all of a sudden in a moment where, where James says, you have an opportunity to grow, pull the tools out. You can grow in your faith. Instead, we do the opposite and we start to question God. There are some of you that might have come back to church and that a challenge or a difficulty happened in your life years ago. And when that challenge came, you didn't see it as an opportunity. Instead, you got angry at God. You didn't understand what he was doing. And instead of looking at it as an opportunity, you ran from God. And you say, God, I've had it. God, I, I need this fix now. And so I'm not going to wait on you. I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to take the easy way out and I'm going to do things the way I want to do them because I am tired of being in pain. So I'm going to cope and I'm going to do things that make me feel good. I'm not going to continue in this mode to test my faith and grow my faith. Instead, I'm going to do what I want to do. And when we do that, we succumb to something called temptation. Because the enemy always wants us to feel better. But unfortunately in life, it's not about feeling better. It's about knowing God's truth. Write this down. When we run from testing, we oftentimes run into temptation. When we run from testing, we often run from opportunities. And when we run from testing, we often run from God. The only way I need to, I know to illustrate this is through the eyes of a father, and I'm just going to illustrate this point. Probably about four months ago, um, most of you would not believe this, um, but it is true. My father was a carpenter maker. He actually, um, he could build anything. He could build additions to houses. And so when I was younger, I used to many times be on a ladder, many times be doing sheetrock, many times be plastering, putting additions on houses. It was a long time ago, um, but I learned all of those techniques, and, and I treasured that time with my dad. And as you could probably tell, I, I no longer do that <laughs> much. So I wanted my son to learn a thing or two about what this is because um, I wanted him to have some of those tools. So I remember on a day I thought, I'm going to teach my son how to, you know, hammer a nail. So all of a sudden I went ahead and I called him. I said, this was months ago. I said, Connor, Connor, come out here. I want to teach you. And so it had been dumb parenting move by me. Connor was having fun. He was in the middle of doing something great. And I interrupt his fun. Come here. I want to teach you something. And so already he's like, what? I don't want to come. I don't want to do this. And he's like, he's outside. He walked outside and I'm like, come here, get over here. Now I'm going to teach you how to hammer. So it's starting off great. And I put him in the backyard and I've got a piece of wood and I've got a nail and I've already started the nail. So I hand him the hammer and right off the bat, like a father, I say to him, all right, 
hey, bud, I want you to, uh, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I'm going to hit it. I've seen it before. I got it, I got it, I got it. And I'm like, no, 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 but you know, no, I got it, Dad. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And I can't say a word, and he's got the hammer. And so, and I'm like, fine. So he takes the hammer, and he, wrote, he puts his hand all the way up to the top, and, and he, he starts. And the nail's not going anywhere. And I'm watching, and I'm just like, oh, if you just listen to me. And so all of a sudden, he's like this and this. He's like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. This is awful. This is there. I'm like, son, just try. I, no, I, I quit. I quit. And he dropped it. And he just, I quit. And he walked off. I pulled up my phone and I texted a really frowny emoji to my wife. No, I'm just teasing. But here's the truth. After going in, after looking around to make sure the neighbors weren't looking, I went back in, I grabbed him, I pulled him outside, and I said, Connor, I said, just, if you trust me, I can teach you how to do this. I can't do it, Dad, I can't, I tried, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Take the tool, take the bottom of the hammer, and swing a little longer and harder. He began to hit the nail. He began to hit it, and it started to move. And I watched something amazing from a father's eyes. Five minutes earlier, he had walked off and he had run from the challenge. But when he had put the right tool in his hand and he all of a sudden started seeing movement, started seeing success, I saw my son get excited about having a tool in his hand and using it. And he began to nail the nail the way you should. James says this, that when troubles come your way, it's important for you to remember the tools that God's given you. And that when you use the tools in the right way, that instead of running from the challenge, you'll embrace the challenge because you know what to do and how to do it. And so instead of running, run too. There are some in this room that have been running from challenges for a long time. And the danger from running from challenges when you give up and you stop walking the way God wants you to, then you just want to cope and you want to run as far away from God as you want to. Which means then you might fall into things that you know that God wouldn't want you to do because you're angry. Coping mechanisms happen all the time. There are some in this room, a coping mechanism is looking at something you shouldn't look at. There are some in this room that you don't want to feel the pain of knowing you're doing the wrong thing and so you cope by taking something drinking something, doing something too much. It could be that you don't want to be around the pain of knowing the truth, and so you run away from the friends that you know are going to encourage you to embrace challenges, and you run towards the friends that just want to cope. And so James warns, do not run into temptation. Instead, trust God. Now watch what James says, that if you actually stay in the moment, if you actually listen to what God has to say, if you actually trust him in this moment, look what James says will happen. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation because afterwards they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In other words, I know you're going through a difficult time. I know it's overwhelming, but if you would just remember the tools I've given you, if you would just... Stay in the moment, embrace the testing, and trust me in it. I promise you, there is, will be an ending, and I will be with you. I've got you. And he also says this. He reminds those of us, because there's many in your room right now that are saying, you know what, Terry, um, 
you know, temptation is too great. You know, I've tried to stop. I, you know, I, I'm here, and, you know, and, and it's just too difficult, and so I need to cope. And so the, t- the temptations are too great. Um, it's too subtle. It's just too difficult. I can't stop. And you say that about temptation. If you fell asleep at all during the message, I want you to wake up, and I want you to see this. Because you need to know this about temptation, that when you run from God and you run into temptation, I want you to remember one thing. Take a look at this. Remember, when you're being tempted, don't you dare say that God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Don't miss this next line. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When you stop in the moment and you say, I need to cope, I can't do it any longer, and you turn and run from God, then temptation begins to come in because your desire says to God, God, I desire no longer to trust you, no longer to embrace the opportunity. Instead, I desire to cope. I desire for happiness. And so for a parent in this room, it's very simple. I don't want to hear them screaming anymore, and so I'm just going to let them do what they want to do because i got to get through the next two hours. I don't want to draw a hard line because the truth is it makes me feel bad when I see them cry, and so I'm going to let them do what they want to do. And all of a sudden, your desire for peace outweighs the desire and the truth for the battle for responsibility for your children. I don't want to deal with the pain anymore or the memory anymore. And so I'm going to drink this so that for just a moment I can forget the pain that I'm going through. And then I'm going to have another and then I'm going to have another. I'm going to take these pills that will make me feel better in the moment so I don't have to deal with the truth in here. For those of you who say, Terry, I blame it on the bars. I blame it on people. I blame it on what I look at. I want you to remember one thing. Temptation does not come from there. Temptation comes from within. And temptation reveals your desire in the moment. Because in that moment, what you're really doing is saying, my desire to look, take, consume, be a part is far greater than my desire in the moment to trust God. My desire for happiness is far greater than my desire for truth. But how many of you have fallen, just just listen to this, how many of you have fallen into temptation and after you have been tempted and after you've fallen into temptation, how many of you minutes or hours later turn and say, I'm miserable because I shouldn't have done it, shouldn't have been a part of it, shouldn't be where I'm at. The enemy wants to lie and say you can find happiness when the truth is James says you need to battle. So follow along with this. James says, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. I want you to understand this. James uses a term there. He says very simply, don't be misled. That your father, there's a name for him, and he's called the father of lights. That's why I love reading the Bible. Why does he call him the father of lights? It's very, very important. James reminds you and I, he said, you know that guy 
that dad of yours, that dad that you're supposed to trust, that dad with the hammer that wants to show you the right way to swing it, that dad that knows you can do it and is sitting there saying, just stay, don't run away, don't run from the challenge, embrace the challenge, you can do this and you'll be far greater and far better for doing it. If you just endure the testing, you'll grow in your faith. That guy, he's the God that put the stars in the sky. He's the God that put the moon in the sky. I don't know if you know this, if you read your Bible from the beginning, do you know why God put the moon in the sky? To govern the night. It was a symbol to you and I that when we look at the moon that we know that God is there and that he watches over us, that he doesn't leave us nor forsake us, that he's there at all times to make sure that we know that he has his eye on us. But I love this. Don't miss this. Wake up for this point. James calls him the father of lights because God put all the stars in the sky. When you look at the sky, when you go out your door at night and you look up at the sky, you can look at millions of stars and they twinkle. Some are brighter than the other. But isn't it true that if you go out tonight and if in six months you go out again and you look up at the sky, isn't it true that you see different stars? Isn't it true that some of the stars you looked at are brighter or softer than they were six months ago? Because why? Depending on the distance, depending on the atmosphere, they wax and they wane, don't they? Depending on the life of a star, they're brighter or they're dimmer. And what James was saying is this. He's the father of lights. But when you're in the midst of the challenge, I want you to remember one thing. Your heavenly father does not wax or wane. Your heavenly father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your heavenly father has got your back. Your heavenly father can be trusted. Your heavenly father can absolutely see you through because God never changes. And in this room, some of you are running so far from God because you want to cope, you want to be happy. And what James is saying today is in the midst of the moment, put your two belt on and endure because I promise our God never changes. He never shifts and he can see you through. The question for you today and for me is when trouble comes, will I run or will I embrace it with everything I have and say, God, what tool, what training do you have for me today? Let's pray. Father, I I pour my heart out in this moment to you, God, because, uh, Lord, the truth is we're human in this room. And right now, Lord, I sense in my spirit there are individuals in this room that are struggling and running so far from you. And right now, the enemy would love nothing more than to make them feel guilty. And God, that's not your intent. Nothing could be farther than the truth. Guilt does not come from you. Guilt comes from the enemy. And so in this room, my prayer for myself and our people in this room is that we would trust you. Oh God, that today when we leave, we can just lift our arms up to you and say, Papa, I need you. I pray, God, that as we pray today and as we talk to you, that we would listen for your voice, that we would rest in your arms, that we would stop running from you, that we would stop making excuses 
but instead we would stand and we would say, God, teach me. With all eyes closed and heads bowed, in just a moment, Connor and Lorianne are going to sing a song. I just want you to sit. I just want you to talk to God. If you're in this room today and you have never trusted the Father of lights, if you have made every excuse in the book, if you have tried every way that you can try and finally you're at a point where you say, God, I need you, then in this moment I invite you to simply pray a prayer and say, God, forgive me. God, I want to trust you with my life. I want you to lead. So God, I trust you in this moment of difficulty. I trust you for the tools to be able to get me through. And God, because I trust you, because you've forgiven me, because I can cast my sin as far as the east is from the west, I repent and I follow you that I will have life everlasting with the God that never changes. If that's you today, I just encourage you in this moment just to talk to God, to confirm that in your heart. It's not the words that we say, it's the attitude and posture of our heart. But as Connor and Lori sing this song, I pray that you would be honest with God. May the emoji of your heart be truth. God bless this moment and I may you receive the glory in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.